Ah, yes. Welcome back on this Wednesday afternoon. We have got a ton, and I mean a ton of news coming out of Ottawa, the nation's capital, this afternoon. And we've got it all covered for you inside the next 30 minutes. Coming up, we'll get the very latest on the ongoing truckers' protest and just the general mood in Ottawa. That's coming up inside the next 10 minutes. But first, the mood is certainly for change amongst conservatives in Ottawa, as Aaron O'Toole, breaking news on this Wednesday, has been ousted as leader of the party. This after only 17 months in the top job and one failed federal election. Bit of a marathon caucus meeting uh, throughout the morning, throughout the first part of uh, today, and an 11th hour pitch, of course, we've heard by O'Toole to keep his job, but that was in vain. As 73 conservatives inside the Conservative Caucus voting to remove O'Toole, 45 voting in favor to keep him on. And we're very busy, as you might imagine, trying to gather reaction to this developing story. Uh, let's start with a Conservative MP, uh, Stephen Ellis. Here's what he had to say when asked about the uh, ouster of the Conservative leader. The big thing that we need is we need unity in our party right now. That means a bit of a, a bit of a strong hand at the tiller. I think there's lots of people out there who are going to be able to do that, and that's going to be important for us moving forward, but we're ready for the challenge. All right, certainly still hearing those uh, horns blaring in the background in Ottawa. We've also got sound at this hour from Alberta Conservative MP Damien Curick. Have a listen to this. It is the utmost priority, and certainly what I hear every day from my constituents, is that we focus on making sure that we defeat the most tired and corrupt liberal government probably in our country's history, and uh, that's certainly what I'm focused on today, and we'll be doing every day until that happens. Okay, let's get some more perspective and welcome in John Capabianco, Senior Vice President, Fleischman Hillard High Road, who joins us now. John, good afternoon. Appreciate you coming on. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. Uh, how about you? Are you surprised at all by these uh, results, or was this kind of expected amongst conservatives? You know, I'm I'm quite surprised actually, especially at the at the sort of the size of the vote. You know, 73 MPs voting in, in favor of, of ousting uh, Aaron O'Toole versus uh, versus the 43 or 45 um, that that wanted him to stay. I think is is a, quite a tide, given the fact that they started off with 35 MPs who who started the process, and the fact that it almost doubled within 24 hours um, is quite telling. And and it's it's sad, obviously. You know, I, I preferred, I wish that that the, the decision would have been made by the party. Uh, at the convention, at the leadership vote versus caucus, but obviously because of the Reform Act, and uh, they were allowed to, and they were able to uh, to make that decision. But I, I suspect what happened, Jeff, was the, the the talk sort of getting getting consumed by internal machinations, and and not the message that that should have been what the opposition should be doing against the against the government. Just got a lot of MPs tired, and they just thought, look, we needed to get a change. We needed somebody that could unite the party. And I think that's why that that major shift from the 35 to the 73 happened, uh, happened overnight. Yeah, talk to me a bit more about that, if you could, because I noticed that as well, uh, John. 35, as you mentioned, originally voted for this uh, review, but as caucus voted uh, today, as you mentioned, double that voted to oust him. So what, if anything, does that tell us about the level of dissatisfaction inside conservative ranks when it came to the leadership of Aaron O'Toole? Well, I think first off, the fact that the vote was a, a, a hidden vote or a silent vote or, or you know, a, a, a anonymous vote, I think was also telling. It wasn't one where you sort of showed your hand. I think that uh, made a lot of MPs feel freer to uh, to express their their opinion, knowing that that it was a hidden vote. Um, you know, but I do think that there was a, there was a, just enough talk and enough enough 
conversation amongst amongst caucus and even sort of the party, which which obviously would have would have been been heard by by the caucus members that they were just tired of this this talk of leadership and whether or not he's going to stay or going to go. You know, I would have wished that he would have stayed. I think it, us going into another leadership only after a year or 17 months of, of having Aaron O'Toole is going to be uh, is going to be costly and, and quite frankly could set us back. But that said, I think that they need now somebody who's going to unite the party, who's going to sort of get dispense of all this internal machination talk and actually start focusing on the liberals and sort of be the official opposition. And I think a lot of the MPs decided that, you know, enough was enough and, and that we just couldn't unite around Aaron O'Toole and that they knew that if, if, if Aaron O'Toole survived this vote, he was going to stay on. And that would have caused probably more uh, dissension and more discussion amongst uh, amongst them on issues that were internal versus uh, issues that were important to Canadians. Yeah, what was it, John? Do you think was Aaron O'Toole's, I guess, fatal flaw? Why did his leadership again only seventeen months? But why did his leadership prove so untenable with conservatives? I think one of the main things was, you know, when, when Aaron Toole ran for leader, he talked about being a true blue conservative and, and you know, wanting to sort of portray himself as that kind of a candidate. And then we saw that after he won the leadership and leading into the election and during the election, that he kind of shifted that and became much more of a, of a, of a middle of the road or a moderate conservative. And I think that might have upset and would have upset a lot of the, the Western uh, MPs. Uh, especially on on policies like the you know, the foot flop on the gun on, on the gun issue the issue of of the carbon tax which of course a lot of a lot of folks in the West were were quite upset about and then since the election campaign you know some of the the flip flops that were that were apparent in, in some of, the, of Aaron's decisions and and so forth so I think a lot of that Jeff kind of just played to the narrative uh, that that the leader didn't have a, a particular compass there or a particular set of values that he wanted to focus on. And that might've gotten a lot of the MPs probably a bit upset and, and quite frankly, caused a little diversion and, and division within the party. Um, you know, I think Aaron O'Toole was one that was trying to build a big tent conservative party. And that's never easy when you've got the various factions within the party. But I thought he was, his attempt to do that was, was honest, was earnest, uh, and, uh, and obviously didn't work. And, and the MPs felt that it didn't, didn't go far enough to, to quell any of the, of the issues. Yeah. And, you know, John, it takes time to build that tent, to build a big tent. It also takes time, you know, once you, you take a job. And again, he's a year and a half in, uh, tested once already in a federal election. But do you think uh, maybe in hindsight, the conservatives might look back on this day and feel as if perhaps they pulled the plug a little too early on Aaron O'Toole, that uh, maybe he was just kind of getting going? Or uh, obviously the feeling amongst the uh, caucus and conservatives was that uh, they just were not going to be able to move forward, that his leadership was not strong enough, I guess not tough enough, particularly against Prime Minister Trudeau in the last uh, election, and they didn't see that changing? I think their caucus certainly wanted to give Aaron a try and, and a test. And obviously, right after the election campaign, there was a lot of discussions amongst caucus and amongst the party as well. Uh, you know, just say, OK, look, we, we, we didn't win, but obviously we had some results. We, we got more popular vote than the Liberals did, which are things that you can sort of hang your hat on to say there were some successes. So I think caucus really did want to give Aaron a try and say, OK, let's let's spend the next little while. Uh, and see what we can do to kind of unite us and to build us and, and to kind of make sure that we became an effective opposition. I think that time sort of started waning over the last little while, and the MPs probably felt a little impatient that that this to topic of leadership and of, of issues that were that were pertaining to him and the internal the internal machinations of the party were just becoming headlines, and that just wasn't a particularly positive thing. So they ultimately decided that we just can't unite around Aaron O'Toole. So better to kind of deal with it now. 
and get an interim leader, focus on a leadership contest in the next little bit and see what we can do to rebuild and unite the party. Um, I, I still think it would have been better to keep Errol Tool there and, and would have been, but I think now the party is saying, okay, look, we've made the vote, we've made the decision, let's now focus on the future. And that's one good positive thing coming out of this, Jeff, I think is the party's now gonna focus on the future and what's gonna happen uh, over the course of the last little while and, and enough of this leadership discussion that happened with, uh, with Aaron. Okay, well, to that point, moving forward, an interim leader we're hearing will be announced around 7 o'clock this evening. Is there a front runner? Do you have a sense as who might be the interim leader of the Federal Conservative Party? Well, you know, Candace Bergen, who is currently the, uh, the deputy leader, is one of the names that, that keeps getting mentioned. I think she'd be an awesome interim leader, but she may decide that she might want to be a permanent leader. And I think that the rules show that if you're an interim leader, that'll preclude you from running for the leadership down the road. So for those who want to be the interim leader, their, their decision is to be short, short term and not long term. And Candace may very well want to be the leader down the road. Um, John Williamson, an Atlanta, Canada MP, uh, has already put his name forward publicly that he wants to uh, that he wants to consider being the interim leader. There's other names that are being mentioned, um, but I do think that it's one that we'll, we'll see a few more of that jostling over the next little while. Because I think the decision is tonight for uh, for them to pick an interim leader. That's right. And uh, looking ahead to 2023, I believe is the next time a convention is scheduled for the Conservatives. Do they now have to, in light of uh, this breaking news here this afternoon, do they have to pretty much bump that up? That they've got to, uh, you know, have a convention. They got to find a leader sooner rather than later. Yes. Oh, yeah. For sure. You know, we're in a minority government, and I think one of the issues that we always thought about, you know, for the for the argument of keeping Aaron in place was because it's a minority government, and they're never sure when the election is going to be called as such, but we, now we can't wait for 2023. I suspect that the party, the National Council, makes these decisions will likely gather in the short, in the short, in the days ahead and, and kind of make up their minds with respect to what they want to do, when they want to have a leadership convention, and I guess more importantly, how it's going to be conducted. The last one where, where Aaron won the leadership was done virtually, and, and I suspect that this may very well still be the case. All right. And having said that, uh, do we have a sense as to who the permanent full-time leader of the Conservative Party uh, will be? Well, you know, there are names, like I mentioned, Candace Bergen, I think would be a, a, a really good, good candidate for, for permanent leadership. There's Pierre Polivev, whose name keeps getting mentioned, who's been a, a real star in, in the caucus and somebody who's elevated his profile over the last couple of years. Somebody he's mentioned. There's a few... I would say that are not in caucus, somebody like Arona Ambrose, who a lot of people went after last time to run and, and decided not to. But I think Arona Ambrose would be somebody that that would be very appealing to the party uh, and whether or not you know she'll decide to run or not. So there's those kinds of names that are, are being mentioned. Um, but, you know, other names that are being mentioned that are certainly not going to do it are people like, you know, Premier Doug Ford, who's been mentioned, but he's already ruled it out and, and has got his own election to focus on. Uh, and others like, you know, Jason Kenney, who I think has his own issues in Alberta that he wants to focus on. But um, a few other names. I, I think some good some good candidates will, will come forward. But, um, but certainly I think that's the one focus and the one bright spot in this, and that is looking towards the future of the party and who's going to be there to unite the party and, and sort of be that official opposition that Canadians deserve and need uh, and that the party wants. All right. Well, that is ahead in the uh, months to come. In the meantime, again, we're expecting the announcement of an interim leader for the Conservatives around 7 o'clock tonight as Aaron O'Toole, the breaking news this afternoon, ousted as Conservative leader. John, thanks as always. Really appreciate the time and the analysis. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right. Be well. There's John Capabianco with us, Senior VP for Fleischman Hillard High Road. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.